0: We have more kids in middle schools that they're not just struggling reading. They cannot read.
1: For literacy, our goal is going to be that every student in Westwood ISD will be reading two years above grade level. Produced by Podcast Architects.
2: Welcome back to another episode of The Path Forward here at TASA Midwinter 2024 with Evolve to Solve. So I have a couple of brave participants, <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, Superintendent Westwood, the great wood of Westwood, Wade Stamford. Wade, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Rick. Uh, it's exciting to be back again, you know, just to uh, to just like lean into this work and, uh, and learn together
2: you know you're you're one of our favorite guests you're one of everyone's favorite guests everybody's like hey when you have weight on it's like hey do y'all just want weight to have the show i mean because i'm, no, I'm, try- I'm they, trying
1: they don't <laughs> want that rick uh, i do a a, a a radio show every two weeks and i can tell you they don't want that's that that's a good and let me
2: introduce our our hot seat for the day friend curriculum associates vice president claudia salinas welcome muchisimas gracias and, and I must say, this was spur of the moment. So, Claudia, she she graciously accepted, not knowing what she was getting herself into. And so, the rules, right? Not scripted. We have not talked about questions or anything. We're given a chance as a, as a superintendent to dive into something that is a struggle, maybe for their district, maybe across the state. And we've got a service provider that maybe can help, but there's probably going to be a little push and pull. So wait, let's just jump right in. Wade, you start us off.
1: Yeah. So, uh, cloudy, I I just, I commend you. Um, you know, we're in a, in a time that, um, you know, coming out of a pandemic and, uh, and working and, and the state increasing the standards without being able to tell us what the standards actually are. Um, and we're, we feel like we're shooting in the dark, but I commend you for coming on and and saying that in, uh, you know, the, the the cool part, Rick, is is that uh uh we actually use the product mm-hmm. and uh i Ready is uh is used at our elementary campus. So um for for somebody like me that's at a superintendent level that um that actually knows we're using the product, but but I I probably don't understand everything that it does. I know there's some diagnostic in it, and I know that it works on ability levels and things like that. So kind of give us a, an overview of what like iReady does.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for, I am honored to be here because I think about education, like it, it, it does take a village. And as a provider, content developer, partner, that's how I like to see myself as a partner to you, we're part of your community. So we wanna make sure that we're working for student achievement and growth. But if I step back about iReady and what I think about the standards and everything that's changing, one of the things that is critical for us is when we tell you, a superintendent, uh, your board, a leader, a teacher, we need to tell you where your kids are in relation to grade level. So when you only look at data, at that normative data, you're comparing kids against other kids, right? And unfortunately, right now, we're looking at the whole bell curve of students across the country has shifted backwards about 9%. So you can look at normative data and you can say you're at 37% percentile norm. But unfortunately, that's already a grade level behind and right. sometimes two grade levels behind. So the key thing is like when we look at data and we think we use our diagnostic, we provide data that tells you, tells the teacher where the students are in relation to grade level, to the TEEKs, the ungrade level TEEKs we can also give you the norm. But the key thing is once you have that data, because we are data rich, like we have data everywhere. What does a teacher do with that data? And I
1: think that's the key right there. It is key. I think that's the key, you know, Rick, that you've got data and and I think we are, I think we're very rich. I think, as a matter of fact, I think we have too much data Mm -hmm. at times. Uh, We like to say we're, instead of data driven, we want to be data-informed. Exactly. And so... Yeah.
0: And what are those actions? So a teach, I, I. we also talk about uh, treating teacher's time as gold. Yes. That is the only thing you're not going to get back. It's time. But if you think about, if I can save teacher's time by telling her, this is what a child can do, and this is this the next step for you to do with that, that student in that zone of proximal development, and then at the same time have our already personalized lessons, supplement or extend the teacher, that is what makes the impact the most. So it's, you get your data, but now what do you do with it?
2: Absolutely. So I've said this in the past and I'm going to be guilty as charged. And I want you to tell me why I'm wrong here. Sometimes I think of, of platforms or ed tech or any type of provider, like a diet, right? There's a million diets out there. And then if you say, which diet works, I would tell you, all of them work if you do exactly what that diet says. If you want to eat cad- cabbage soup for 13 days, you'll lose weight, right? If you want to do keto for 10 months, no carbs, you'll lose weight. But it comes down to, you know, really what can you sustain? What mm-hmm. can you take in small in small doses and make habits out of? But there's kind of a perception like, hey, there's a whole lot of stuff out there, but what actually works and, and what can I use uh, to impact my students? Is that right? Wrong? A little bit of both? That,
0: that is right. We were, we were talking about John Hattie, Dr. Hattie, and his meta-analysis uh, that he does. There are things that we should be doing in education that are proven to impact student success. For example, goal setting. Goal setting is like 0. 0.8. That means like if you help your students set goals, they will reach those goals because they know what they're aiming for. It's like you guys were talking about football and your coaching and how great you look when you coach. Uh, That's
2: exactly not
1: the opposite (laughs) of what we were talking about. Like we said just the opposite, (laughs) Claudio, but that's okay. I like the way you spun that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you said goals. You're like, guys, we're going to win this game. We're going to get so many points over the other team. Whatever the goal is, goal setting is critical. So that's part of that. It's not just a platform. It's also that professional learning, that partnership, helping teachers goal set with students using data chats. Then principles, goal setting with teachers. How do we move your class? And that goes back to the other part about goal setting. There is typical growth that a child gets within a year, but there's also stretch growth. And that's what we think about it with our growth model. We we cannot just get the typical growth because that's not enough. If we only think typical, we are gonna be very far behind grade level by the time we get to middle school. Mm -hmm. So we have to stretch them. We have to figure out what is that goal that has been proven that kids can get to. It's a little bit more ambitious, but it is attainable. So goal setting is key. Instead of just this platform, we provide the data, the instructional next steps, but we also help teachers, principals, school leaders. You, how do you, as a superintendent, how do you set those goals that are attainable? Because you have those that data point.
1: So dig into this piece. So, so I, I, I support that 100% on the goal setting. And, and then the actual, the writing down of the goal, because without writing it down, it's not going to happen. I think there's research that shows that. So I ready has a goal setting component in it. Yes. Okay. So Rick, I want to dig into a piece that you talked about because, and then I want to get back to the stretch goals. Um, and I'll have to look at my phone to, to look at this book that I'm reading. Uh, so like there's, a million diets out there right and um a million ways to get there what makes i ready better than the others what what do you feel like separates i ready from other intervention and i'm gonna say intervention but support partners and i love the way you said that because mm-hmm. in westwood we we consider you a partner you're you. part of the family you're part of the panther family um uh, and so what separates the product?
0: I think it's our service. So one of the things that's very interesting is like for every one person that's out there working with you at the very initial part, we'll we'll call them air quotation sales, there are four people that service you. That is our data analytics. So I have another district, like for example, Tyler ISD, they want to compare how they're doing to other districts that look like them. So our data analytics does custom reports so then they can see themselves compared to other districts. If we're looking at teacher incentive allotment, we have our data analytics teams that helps with that component as well. So that service is key because it's not just you get ready and we walk away. We are constantly trying to make sure that they're, your implementation is successful because, again, I'm part of your family. I'm part of your community. I am a stakeholder, and I have to make sure that your kids are growing. If they're not growing, you should fire me. That's the right. way we see it. And
1: there's a piece of ownership in there That's that right. I love. I hear it in your voice. And so you intrigued me with that piece that you said that I could get a comparison of other districts that are similar to us. Yes. How long does that take for me to get that?
0: I just need to find the districts that look like you. Okay. And then if they are iReady partners already, then we just, you know, disidentify the data and then just compare growth and trends. Great. And- provide that to you.
1: About two weeks. We're going we're gonna to talk off air then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So as
2: a, as you're my, my personal trainer, right? We're staying in the frame of diets and mm. uh, so I'm not getting much out of my personal training. I'm not following the. What are, what are districts not doing? and not taking advantage of to not realize their goals, right? Because you'll hear superintendents will change and we change programming, we try something else. Mm -hmm. What is not being adhered to that it's an absolute must within districts?
0: I think one of the things that everybody's talking about right now, not just across Texas, but across the whole country is the importance of tier one, right? Everybody talks about tier one is solid. You have to, it's extremely important. Strongly believe in that. But more importantly is instructional coherence everything that we are doing should serve tier one. So for example, if I, I'll just use a random skill, we're working on main idea. What we see is that the teacher is teaching main idea, but then they're being pulled into a small group and in small group, they're doing something else. And if that child is special ed or has an IEP, they're working on other things. So there's no coherence happening. And so when we think about iReady, our goal is that instructional coherence. So we think about iReady, we'll identify where the kids are and what they need to work on. But at the same time, we created a, what we call prerequisite report. And this is based on TNTP strategy. Where like, you have to make sure that you're creating an acceleration plan, not just you know, differentiation. So if I'm about to teach these teaks in fifth grade mathematics, the same assessment that you took at the beginning of the year will tell you if the kids are ready. And if they're not ready, it tells you, the teacher, what to do in small group to get them ready faster so then tier one is accessible. So that instructional coherence is key. And we do it the same thing for reading. If your anchor standard is, I'm working on informational text and finding main idea, what kids are ready, what kids need a little bit more support, and who needs foundational skills? Because that's the other part of, we've seen uh, in our data, is that we have more kids in middle schools that they're not just struggling reading, they cannot read. So we are creating a new system called iReady Pro that focuses on those kids in middle school who are reading below third grade level. So that means they're lacking foundational skills. So we're having to reteach them how to read, like the phonics, but making sure that it is development, developmentally appropriate because they are in sixth, seventh and eighth grade. You can't you know, put baby stuff in exactly. front of them. So that's something we just completed and it's launching for this back to school because it is. you see it in the data.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a huge need and it's been a need since I was a high school principal that we were seeing kids in high school that could not read. Mm-hmm. We started researching, trying to find programs and there were absolutely None. no programs, No, nope. nothing. So that's scary. It is very scary. It's scary because it takes me into a, a little bit of a strand that I'd like to go. That there's there's some research out there. There's the the fact that we hear that if you if we don't have a student reading on grade level by third grade, mm-hmm. there's a very high likelihood they will never read at grade level. That's right. There's also the research that says that the prison system researches third-grade reading scores and then designs the size of prisons based on that.
0: It is very sad.
1: So take tell me, because I know what that does to me mm-hmm. when I hear that.
0: Yep. It's so, very sad.
1: So your thoughts, early literacy, those pieces... And, and how, do we, how do we begin to solve that problem? Because we talk in our district all the time that if we are not doing everything that they need to be at and, at grade, at least at grade level by third grade, then we are predicting their, their path in life.
0: That's right. So I, I believe that from third grade through high school, many years pass and there's so many opportunities for us to change that outcome. Mm-hmm. We just have to put effort into it, right? So one of uh, what I've noticed sometimes is we are looking at high school. High school gets a lot of attention because mm-hmm. we got to graduate them, but we can't wait. That's so one of the things is like those early childhood initiatives. Instead of if we want to get to that goal, going back to goal setting, we can't start in ninth grade. We have to start in pre yes, K K exactly. and those foundational skills. At the same time, thinking about going back to the, our our growth model, we have these goals, these two goals, every student, no matter where they are, gets a typical goal and a stretch goal. And those two goal points are very critical because sometimes if students are very far behind, it may take two years to get to that stretch. But what our new research is showing that if students get to stretch two years in a row, it is life-changing. They get on grade level and they're staying on grade level. So that is critical for success. So the other thing that we're trying to do is like, um, we are actually doing it, it's like our, our scale, we're on a single scale. So I can identify, for example, that a fifth grader is struggling with phonics or vocabulary words or high frequency words or comprehension. So having that data that tells you they're struggling with phonics helps us be very explicit on what are those phonics lessons they need so we can Close that gap faster.
1: So we can be very intentional. Very
0: intentional. Very, very, very focused. intentional. Exactly.
1: And we can get that uh, individualized help that we're looking for.
0: And sometimes we, we don't change that outcome because our teachers have the data. But what do I do next? Right. What is that lesson? Fifth grade teachers are not trained to teach phonics. That's a K-2. Like in K-2 that we spend years... Mastering that craft of how do you teach foundational skills, fifth grade, middle school, that's not necessarily their forte. So imagine that you identify that Rick needs help in phonics, I'm gonna give you a lesson for Phonics for Rick. Right.
2: So one of the things that, that uh, well, it's been a talk for, for a long time, right? But it seems to come to a, almost falling off a cliff. Now we have a, a teacher issue, meaning, mm-hmm. It's very difficult for districts to hire, retain, recruit. Uh, I think on the whole most superintendents would tell you that the quality of teachers has lessened um, just because there's not as many wanting to come into the craft and therefore you're kind of having to take what you can get. So you've got kind of both ends of the spectrum where you have students that are struggling to a greater degree and now you have teachers that may be less skilled How does iReady or how does Curriculum Associates think about how do I make a very novice teacher or maybe less skilled teacher um, an expert into delivering content through our resources and platforms? Does that make sense? That was a long-winded question.
1: That's good though. Because to put a little caveat in there, so I think the other piece that is in that, that teaching world is that probably, I don't know the percentage, but a high percentage of our teachers are alt-cert or working on yes. their certification. Great mm-hmm. point. So, so they're trying to, to teach reading yeah. while yeah. they're trying to get certified.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's it's very hard. Um, one of the things I'm going to go back to that can do is the next step. We give you data and it, we tell you from an asset base, because that's another thing Um, As a a, a parent of a child with a 504, my daughter's severely dyslexic is like, oh, she can't do this. She can't do that. So we all of our languages, we start with this is what the student can do. Mm -hmm. So we start that with the teacher because that reframes their brain. The student can do this. It's high expectations. They can do this. This is what we're going to focus on. So when we think about teachers who are still developing their craft, sometimes they just need guidance or going back. You guys as coaches, a playbook. Mm -hmm. What do you do? when this play play happens. What do you do when Charlie cannot do this? So we focus on what he can do and build on that. And then we provide explicit lessons that they do in small group. And then the other thing is that personalized instruction, if we think outside the box, that personalized instruction, so if I have someone who is not an expert in mathematics, my background is mathematics. I love literacy, I can read, but I'm a math person at heart. Most elementary teachers, math doesn't come to them as easy. So one of the things I I always share with um, district leaders is like, hey, if you're going to have that person who doesn't know the math, use our digital lesson and use it as an anchor point and do it whole group. And it is fascinating to watch teachers are like, oh, that's the conceptual development of teaching that math because the lessons are designed to be instructional, not just answer choice, answer choice and move on. So So that also helps. So it's
1: actually almost like a professional learning piece in
0: there. Yeah, it is. and that's, That was
2: going to be my my belief is that uh, companies, providers are going to have to embed both ends yes. of the spectrum into what they yeah. develop. It has to be a PD, a, a PD for one end and, you know, the, the curriculum for the other ends.
0: Yeah. And yeah. one more thing I'll add to that for that PD, like if I, I'm an English learner, if you cannot tell from my accent, I was born in Nicaragua. And so I one of the focus I've had for a long time is like, how do we create content that integrates those linguistical strategies. Because some teachers, they're getting certified. They may Mm -hmm. not know anything about English learners. They may not know our ELPS But we have to address the linguistical needs that our students face. So we integrated them at point of use So they're there. So whether the teacher is still getting, learning about that, they're going to be able to, the students are going to have that access to that content.
1: That's good. That's good. So Ricky, if it's all right, I don't want to shift to the stretch go. You're, 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 you, you're the host. Um, Claudia, you talked about stretch goes, mm-hmm. And, and so I'm, this is something that w- we're really starting to focus on in our district. Um, and so um, I think it's pretty cool that we're on a podcast and I'm going to talk about another podcast <laughs> that I listened to because I love listening to, to different podcasts. So I was listening to Ed Milet's podcast. And he had a, a person, I hadn't looked down because I want to make sure I get it right. He had Dr. Benjamin Hardy on with him. And he was a co-author of a book that's called 10X is Easier Than 2X. And so it's, a, um, it's about, um, it's really in a business aspect and I'm just starting to read the book. But the, the concept is this, that a 1X or a 2X goal is something that basically any of us can achieve without changing much in our life. We just change about 20% of what we do. We can keep 80% like we're doing, and we'll achieve that goal. But if we were to go to a 10X goal, which is huge stretch, Mm -hmm. then we have to change roughly 80% of what we're doing Mm -hmm. to get there. So we have to really look at that piece. So in our district, we have begun developing 10x goals. We also call them unachievable goals because when most people hear them, they look at me and go, "Wow!" And so there's these goals. And so for literacy, we're we're probably going to unveil it on your podcast, I guess, Rick. I but love it. Yeah. Um, and so I want, Rick, I want you to watch. Claudia's face when I say this okay so we're getting ready to to work on we've got the goal we just don't know the time frame yet but we're going to put a time to it and so for literacy our goal is going to be that every student in Westwood ISD will be reading two years above grade level.
0: That's awesome.
1: What do you think about her face when I said it? That's
2: awesome. I think that as a as a passionate person, she's excited, but also she's like, that's a heck of a goal, wait. Yeah, I actually, I'm
0: already thinking, I'm like, okay, what do we need to do to support you to there that you goal? Go.
1: So there, there's my question. So as a trusted partner, and and, and the fact is, I, we cannot continue doing what we're doing and get there.
0: That's right. Yeah. We can't.
1: Yeah. So we have to look at everything we're doing across the board, and I, and I do agree with tier one instruction is huge. So we have to look at that. So as a trusted partner, what does that mean to you? That 10x go, unachievable go, which is going, so we we say it this way, it's an unachievable go that we're going to achieve. There's no question about it in our district. So how are you going to support that? What do you think about that go, number one? And then how, how do you feel like Y'all specifically can support that. How can vendors start supporting that work?
0: So I actually, I love the 10x. I, I was thinking going back to the diet. If I don't drink water all day, I can, I can lose that 1% <laughs> that I need to lose. <laughs> but that 10% is like the, the, that, that 10x goal that I need to get to. So immediately I think about like sitting with your team and talking about that instructional coherence. If this is what we need, like, what are the tools that I already have that can support you? And if I don't have it, I'm the first person to say, I don't have that. Let me see if I can get it built. But if not, let's look for something else. But it's like, um, I remember one of my former leaders would tell me, you have to plan your work and work your plan. Yes. So we need to sit down and plan what that looks like. And then one of the other things I think about also in order to get to that 10x goal in literacy that you're saying Wall Street Journal just per, uh, just published an article about three weeks ago. And when we they look at the data, what we're seeing is that students are coming in, like I think it was 2% or 8% years behind mm-hmm. in kinder already. Yeah, so they're agree. already behind. And so one of the things I think about is like, what are we doing that early literacy? How do we develop a strong foundational skills program that is of high quality, that is knowledge-based, that... Um, can be embedded in order to so we can definitely help you s- solidify those foundational skills so they start reading to grade levels be, be, uh, above. And then I also think about looking for um, engaging texts that is helping them connect with things they want to read about.
1: Exactly. So there has to be that interest level yes for that student to read. So I think so I think that and you talked about I think you said iReady Pro. Yes, for middle so, school. Right, for middle school. So I think that's going to be valuable because we know we're, we're already behind. Mm-hmm. So we have to do that even as we start working on our early childhood literacy to try to get keep from getting further behind and at some point stop that. So I think the other piece that I I think we need in, in schools is an, an outside voice that can sit with a team and say, Let's go through what you're doing. Tell me what your day looks like. And then just have the honest conversation. You need to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Strategic abandonment. Get rid of that. Because it's not doing what you need. You're not going to get the results. The, the great lesson that I love, the one that I love to do, it's not getting that. Yeah. And so yeah. I think we need that outside voice to come in.
0: Yeah, actually, so it's interesting you said that we're working with a district around the central uh, Texas right now on uh, that strategic abandonment. I should call it addition by subtraction. Mm-hmm. Let's subtract some stuff so we can add growth. Yeah. But we did that. We actually worked with them and thought about all the things they have and how do you start thinking about what are redundancies for, for lack of a better word. But yes, it is all or, about or planning. just ineffective or practices. ineffective practices. Yes. yes.
2: May, yeah. may I may I make a suggestion to that thought? Right. Mm-hmm. If if you're doing that with your teachers, you got to do it all the way up the ladder, right? Mm-hmm. Because you you know this as, as well as anyone, Claudia, is all the stuff that gets in the way from top down. Yeah. Like if we, if this time is sacred and this is a 10X goal, what are we requiring in terms of meetings, in terms of engagement, in terms of all these things that certain people own that may have to relinquish that ownership because if we keep it as is That goal, we can't meet, because we're taking away. And I'm guilty as charged of doing that, calling meetings, you know, and and not thinking through. All right, what's that impacting at the campus level, right? I'm expecting them to do this, and yet I, I, you know, we got this meeting and that meeting, Um, and a lot. If the meetings aren't valuable, you know, we got to be strong enough to say we probably could do that a different way or or, Mm -hmm. you know another form of communication.
0: Yeah, my husband, uh, he's a classroom teacher. He uh, changed careers after working for uh, Children's Medical Hospital, running risk management. He's like, I want to do something different. So he's a classroom teacher, and he talks about this every single night when I'm home. He's like, I don't understand why they're asking me to do that. Like, My focus should be on my students, and that thing that they're asking, I won't name it or the district, but that thing that they're asking me to do is taking away time from my students, so I'm not going to do it. I said, okay, tell your principal you're not going to do it. He's like, I already did. I told her I'm not going to do it because it's taking away time. Like them walking into my classroom and they want me to acknowledge them. I'm like, nope, I'm here to teach. That's what I'm here to do, to excel my students. I'm here for them, not for the adults. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of goes thinking about everything. What are the things you need to take away to make that precious time Absolutely. that they need to focus on teaching?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, Rick, I think you you nailed it. Because I think we autom- automatically go to what's the teacher practices, but I think we have to go to admin practices too. Absolutely. And start saying, what are we requiring? What are we doing? What barriers are we creating? And I th- again, I think that's where an outside voice yeah. can help. Um, I just- will be there. Okay.
0: Just, yeah, top leader actions. That's one of the things we've been focusing on. What are the top leader actions from principals in order so they they think mm. about what is it that things they should be focusing on to help? Student achievement,
1: top leader actions.
2: Yeah, what what are you removing from the plates yeah. of your teachers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you removing? What can we remove from their their plate? How do I free up my assistant principals, my instructional coaches to be in the classroom? Yeah, you know, and that's trying to always focus in that regard, and it, it, it's a struggle because you're a lot of times I say you're, but collectively, central office. We'll push back on that because they own some of those things, mm-hmm. right? Those things that get into the into the mix of being able to highly focus on on what's important. Yeah,
1: and then Rick, just I mean, just people that know me know that I'm, I'm very transparent in this. Sometimes central office people want to feel important, hundred percent, and so 100%. so they have these things so that it looks like there's good stuff happening. Yes, you know. So I think we have to. I think we have to be very aware of that also.
2: Yep. You got one more heavy hitter that you want to ask?
1: No, I I, I think it's a, so I I don't think it's an ask, but I think it's a, it's a partnership Mm -hmm. piece that what I think what as a district, what we're looking for is what we have that partner. But I think it was, it's going to be really cool when we come back a year from now, Rick, Mm -hmm. with Claudia and we talk about the success story that we were the model school that got our students there, and yeah. and I, I literally believe if we can refine our focus, if we can refine what we're doing, that there's no reason we can't get there. And I think we can change the research of what it ta- how long it takes to get students there.
0: I think it's completely. I'm all on board for getting to your 10x. And okay. my, my challenge for
2: for for you, Claudia, because um, I know you as. Wade should know everything like he's going to should be your biggest champion come next year. Right. Meaning you are so embedded in in the success of Westwood that he is trying to come back on the show with you because of the, of the job that the students have done. And, you know, be the be the the light and the support because more and more districts are going to need help. I
1: mean, it's just not going the other direction, unfortunately. No, yeah. as a
0: country, as Texans, yeah. we have to, we all have to move up. Absolutely. We
1: do, because here's the bottom line. Our kids deserve it. They Absolutely. Do. Not just our kids. All kids deserve all kids,
2: it. All kids deserve yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you both, Wade, Claudia, for jumping in the hot seat and taking a couple of questions from us and, and enjoying TASA Midwinter. So you're welcome back. We're going to schedule it for next year. Yes. So you got a little
0: pressure on there. Yes. So, he, he's gonna have my personal cell phone, and he is gonna text me just like he texts anybody and his staff at any time. And you know,
2: and you know, he's prolific on social media. So if you're doing a good job, you'll hear about it. If you're not doing a good job, you'll hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before we go, Claudia, how do they get a hold of you? How do they reach out to Curriculum Associates if, if a district needs help?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can just go to our website curriculumassociates.com. Uh, dot com. Um, There's our Texas landing page, or you can just literally just. Text me two one four five one nine three six seven seven. That's how committed I am to helping our students grow. You just heard it awesome. here first, that's
2: Wade. Awesome. How, do, how do, does anybody get a hold of you if they need if they need some help if they need just a little of
1: encouragement? You bet. And so you can reach out to me on, on I have three different platforms: social media on Twitter, it's Wade at Wade Stanford, and then on, on LinkedIn. Uh, you can just Google me or search on there Wade Stanford. And then Instagram, and um, and then um, you know, they can do that and then I'll get in touch with you and, uh, and work with you in any way I can.
2: Yeah. And I would encourage anybody, not just educators, but anybody. Wade's a great follow and, uh, very encouraging, very uplifting and, um, you know, gives a good message. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's been several times where it was the perfect time for me to hear it. So, mm-hmm. uh, definitely give Wade a follow. And if you like what you heard today, you like the conversation, please like, subscribe, share. I mean, we're here to help educators. We're here to help everybody involved with, uh, what we need to do for children. So thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you.
1: Produced by Podcast Architects.